Hey, good morning, Cheer City Church. How you doing? So good to see all of you. Really, we are in week two of our series, What Was I Thinking? And in this group of messages, we're talking about truths related to God, who he is. Not what we have perceived him to be, you know, but, but truly who he is, his, his attributes, his true character. And, and some of them we might think, yeah, I, I think that about God, or I believe that, but are they at the forefront of our mind, especially when we're in these critical moments in our life, do we think God is, this is who he is? Because if not, we wind up in a place maybe a little bit distant from or apart from what he had for us, and it's like, what was I thinking, huh? So what do you do you think about God? Do you think he is not as strong as he should be in a certain time in your life, like maybe right now? Do you think maybe he's more absent, huh? A little bit more, especially now? Do you think he can seem un- un- unconcerned? Uh, perhaps he's not able to sustain you. He's just not, he's just not there. He, he's not active enough and helping enough. The truth is God is more powerful, more present, more holy, more loving, and more active than you think, than I think. Now this morning we want to know, we want you to know this, that God is more present than we think. We are not alone, and he invites us to lean into his presence. Last week we tapped into the power of God. Today we want to lean into God's presence. God is present more than we think. This is for all of us here. Even when you're alone, you might not notice God, but he's there. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. It's who he is. In, in my home, uh, we have a way of, uh, it's just part of our culture in our home, a way of uh, living it out. We acknowledge and notice each other. Uh, we do this with even physically, with actions, with words. So especially if I come home and I walk into a room, my kids, my wife, they, they'll notice me, they'll acknowledge me. During the living room and I come in, they'll stop, they'll, they'll notice me and they'll acknowledge me. And, and this came from a kind of a, a particular time in our, our, our home and a season, you know, where, uh, where, where that did not take place. And we worked on that as a family. And in the coming years, uh, it's progressed. And we acknowledge one another, but, you know, especially my kids will acknowledge me. And this is important because if they acknowledge me in the living room and in the kitchen and, and in the bedrooms, then they're going to acknowledge me in other areas of their life, right? And all, they're going to acknowledge their father. And all of this acknowledging and noticing, it, when it comes from, it builds deep relationship. It actually, it actually is the foundation of relationship. The first step in building a healthy relationship and an intimate relationship is to acknowledge someone, to, to notice them. I didn't say to desire them. I didn't say to tolerate them. I didn't say to cooperate with them. I didn't say to bring them along to, so that they could work you through and see you have what you hope to have in life while you kind of give them what they need. I said to acknowledge them, who they are, to notice them. This is relationship, huh? Yet when it, when it comes to God, who's our heavenly Father, right, often people are not in the habit of acknowledging His presence, like my children acknowledge their father's presence in that room. And all the time, God is present. 
You see, all of heaven looks down and, and they see God with us. They see God with us at work. They see God with us, with us at school, in our classrooms. God is with you. Imagine what your day would look like at school if you just said, God is with me. They see God is with us at the gym when we're running down the street, when we're in the home, you know, with our kids during the day. God, they're saying God is with him. God is with her. God is with them. When you're sitting on the couch watching the Steelers beat the Patriots, God is with you. Okay. That's terrible. Yeah, they didn't do that the first service because I caught them by surprise. I didn't put it in my notes. But they caught up the second service. That's rebellion. That's what that is, man. I'll tell you right now. Listen, so, and all of heaven is wondering, how long will they pretend that there is no God? How long will they keep going and not acknowledging God's presence, which is everywhere? Last week we talked about King Asa, king of Judah, right? And, you know, just kind of in ancient times. And, and we, we talked about how his great-grandfather, King Asa, Asa's great-grandfather, was a guy named David, David and Goliath, right? And, uh, and David writes in Psalm 179, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Then in verse 13 and 14 he says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. Man, you created who I am to the depth and the core of who I am, how I tick, what I think, how I feel. You, you, put, you put that conscience in me, which by the way, and we really do respect and to some extent we God science and, and education and teachings and we're not going to get into evolution and creation, but I'll tell you one thing, to this day, the greatest scientists cannot say where conscience came from. They don't know where it came from. And the Bible tells us here, David saying, you, you here, right here, you knit me in my mother's womb, the innermost of my being, what I am, you put it together in me. And you are present. David said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You, your works are wonderful. You are his works. <laughs> They're wonderful. I know that fully well, huh? Like David's never been better as he's sitting there in the presence of God, acknowledging who God is and what he's done. Asa, King Asa would tell us, hey, listen, God is present, but you can pretend he's not. Because as we said last week, and I'll remind you this week, Asa did both. There are times when he turned to God and acknowledged his presence, and there's a time when he pretended God wasn't there, Right? One time in his life when he's got this army coming down on his kingdom, it's an epic army, and he turns to God, he cries out to God, and he acknowledges God's presence, and God leads him to victory. And then we see a bit later, we're going to walk through now, and that, you know, life is progressing. Maybe we see Asa shift a bit from that place of acknowledging God and one day, a man named Isaiah shares a word with Asa. We see it in Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. 
If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So if Asa was here today, perhaps he would just tell us this truth. He would say, listen, know this. If you look around, you will see God. Just like my great-grandfather David said, if you seek God, you will find him. He is present. Verse 3. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But it's for you, Asa, it's for you, God's people. Be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. So Asa was encouraged to hear what, the words from Azariah, and that encouragement welled up in him, and he took action, and he moved forward, and he made changes in his life. Isn't it true that when you hear the, the presence of God is with you, when you acknowledge that God is with you, you, it just does something good to you? It brings strength. It brings, brings courage. It leads you in a greater direction. Well, about 20 years after, Azariah shares these words with Asa, an army shows up, and now it's another large army. This time, Asa pretends that God is not present, right? He doesn't acknowledge God. He turns within himself. He decides that he's going to move this forward in his own way. He's going to take care of matters on his own. He's about 50 years old. He's been told the truth, right? He's been told the truth. He's experienced the truth firsthand, vividly, in an extraordinary way. And with all of that, Asa says God is not present. And this is what we will see in our life, huh? Could you even right now pause and fathom what it would be like if in those moments of critical decisions, in between stimulus and response, that you would pause and acknowledge the presence of God and notice God, your heavenly Father. What would life look like? What would the steps that you would take in your life, where, what direction would they take you in? If you would say, you know what, right now I'm acknowledging God, God, you're with me. God, I need you. God, I'm just taking in your presence. God, I see what I'm thinking, the way I'm feeling, what I'm desiring. God, I just want to sit before you right now. I notice you. I acknowledge you. I recall the great things and the good things you've done to me. I know you're in here. Man, you put me together. I, I know it's true. I know it's true. What would it look like in you and around you if you did that? And then sometimes, man, we just, we just refrain from that. And we know it's true. We know who God is. We know what he's done. We, we do, but we just hold off and we just move away from the truth. We kind of deny it. We distract from it. We deter from it. We, we, you know, it's funny. As adults, we will do that. We'll behave in a way where the truth is right before us, but we're denying it. It's right there. We, sometimes everybody around, it's like, we all do that. So everybody around us know, know the truth, but we don't. And then we look at people, everybody around them know the truth, but they don't, right? 
When we see it in kids, it's different. It's like so obvious. Like when kids won't acknowledge, you know, that, that truth, it, we see it. We laugh at it. It's blatant, huh? It's right there. Let's play the video. John, what are you eating? Okay. You didn't eat anything. Yeah. Okay. John, look at mommy. Anything. Are you telling me the truth? That. You didn't have any snacks? Nope. Let me see. You didn't have any snacks. Open wide, let me see. Really, you didn't have any snacks. John, come here. John, can you explain to me why, why the sprinkles are empty? Well, you're not empty. John, look at me. You're not empty. Did you eat those sprinkles? No, I did not. You know it's not nice to tell stories and to lie, right? Look at Mommy. You're not supposed to lie. Tell me now. Did you eat those sprinkles? No, I did not eat sprinkles. John, mm -hmm. you have sprinkles on your face. Did um, no, no. Mm, I did not eat sprinkles. Did not. No, no, no. I did not eat the sprinkles. I love it when he repeats the whole sentence. I did not eat the sprinkles. He's got to hear himself say it so he knows it's true. That's what we do, right? We repeat these things and we say them so then we know they're true. How, look, it's what people do in the face of a mountain uh, of proof that God is present and, 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 you know, set before them this evidence that God is real. It's, it's what we do, huh? We don't acknowledge the presence of God. We don't, we don't notice God, this great truth. And it's what Asa is doing in his lifetime. He's vacillating back and forth, you know, like acknowledging God, and, and then, and then he now he doesn't acknowledge God. We can do it ourselves. We can go a, a lifetime. I did it from 18 to 28. I, as I said, I've gone back and forth. That's what's going on. I, I mean, I, I just like, I can't get away from it. And that's, when I was 28 years old, that's what I look back on. It, it's like, okay, I was going back and forth, you know, okay, 20 and then 22, and then I like, okay, is there God? There is, I know he, he did this. When I sense, when I feel and I think of him, it, it's better. And, and I would watch him do something in my life and acknowledge it. And, and I go back and forth. But then in the end, I just, I just couldn't come to a place where I would just stop and continually acknowledge him in my life. Right? I, I, I knew it was true. Deep down, I knew it. And then there were times where I would verbally deny it. But then there was those moments where I won't get into the details where I'd be get caught off guard and I'd be in maybe the most horrific place, really. I just can't even describe it to you. And then I would acknowledge it. And, and really just, and, and before, and I don't mean like I would make, it, make a decision. It would just come on me. Like it would just come up in me. That I, I couldn't even deny it. I, I couldn't distract, we distract, I couldn't distract from it. We go to crazy lengths to distract ourselves from this phenomenal truth that there is a God and he is present. 
and, 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 and the, the, that distraction we go on now with our way of carrying out our lives. We, we, we coddle the identities that we have established for ourselves to protect and navigate life ourselves. And in doing so, we're, we're just distracting rather than coping what needs to be healed and fixed, what, need, what we need to be delivered from, what we need to overcome, Yes? And when we dwell and when we acknowledge God and we notice God, now we cope. But we're not alone. He's with us. And if we just sit and just, just bask in his presence and just sit in his arms, man, the Bible says that he comes to us and he's the one who reaches down, as we said last week, and he pulls us out of that place. And he gives us a firm place to stand. And he puts the new song in our heart. That's the identity. That's who we are. And now we go from there. Yes? Don't distract, but cope. Come to God. So the entire time, Ace is living like this. And, and you know, right towards the end of his life, even to a point where he, he, a disease comes on him, and he turns any which way he can, but he will not acknowledge God. He's not, and yet, when you look at his life, there's no way he could deny there's a God, but he's pretending that God isn't there. We do this. We do it at homes. We do it at work. We vacillate. We know God is real. We know there is a God, and yet then we pretend he's not there. And it's the God, the one who knit us in our mother's womb, the one who made the in internal components of our being, huh? You know, you and I here, we don't want to go through our life pretending we don't have any sprinkles on our face, huh? I can't get that kid's face out of my head. He's adorable. If Ace was here, he'd say, you know what? Man, when I look back on my life, <laughs> there was this moment when this, this guy named Azar Azariah came to me, and he told me, he pointed it out to me, and, 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 you, and you know what he said to me in summary? He said, hey, Asa, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? What, why are you in this place? God is so present, and God is so powerful, Asa. And you know what? He was right. What was I thinking? Truly, God was everywhere. I should have seen it. I had every reason to know it. I, I had seen it before in my own life, meaning that, that I, I would have to fight with myself to deny it. And you know what? It's just true. It was there. God is real. God is true. And God is present. I should have grabbed that opportunity right then and there in the moment to acknowledge God's presence. He is real and he is here. And that's awesome and that's encouraging. You see, God is more present than you think. He's your father and he is in the room. But if you're not going to look for him, if you're not going to seek him, you're not going to find him. What would your life look like if you acknowledge God's presence and this morning, God is inviting you. He's inviting me to lean into his presence. Last week, we tapped into his power. This week, we're leaning into his presence. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 says, If you seek him, God, you'll find him. Let's seek God this morning with all your heart. Lean into his presence. Huh? Why? But you ever wonder, I mean, what, why? When I'm putting this together, it's like, why? Why would somebody, me or you, not want to lean into God's presence? Why would we not want to sit before God's presence and acknowledge him over and over and notice him? I think because speaking from my own 
moments with God. And, and I mean, I'm, I be, breathe, bleed, you do too, so I think there's a, some commonality here. I think we don't do this because we know it's going to change us. We know that when we sit before God, when we acknowledge that God is there, when we notice God there in our conscience, in our heart, right there, he's here, that means now we're going to be changed. God is going to speak. We, we know, and so we, we got to stay away from that because, see, what's happening is we're not thinking he's all-powerful. We're not thinking he's so trustful. We're not thinking he's all-loving. We got something else going on. What are we thinking? And so now we're not going to acknowledge God here. And listen, if you've been around Christian in a while, and I have now, we will, we will make this baby look good. Huh? We will dress it up. We're not just going to go on with our plan without, without knowing that we have a way of articulating and putting on the platitudes and the cliche to present it in a godly way, right? Or just to, you know, just to, you know, well, you know. But really what's happening is we're, we know, we have not acknowledged God. We have not noticed God in what we're doing here. The one who created us. The one who says, man, you are the wonder of all my works. I delight in you. You're the first fruits of all my creation. And God, by the way, I'm present because I want to be with you. I love you. I love you. Hmm. And we're saying, you know what? And whatever I'm going to speak into you is going to draw you closer to me. And that's the greatest place you could be. You were made for this more than anything else. And you know, we're like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to acknowledge that right now. Because I, I think whatever I hear is just going to really, it's going to remove the identity I've built. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take me from what I think I need to do right now. Huh? Meaning, I don't think I'm ready to say yes and to embrace what I'm going to see and find and hear in the presence of God. And yet, that's what you want. To dwell in that presence, huh? Now, so we are changed. One of the ways we're changed, first, God changes my anxiety. So I say, Mike, as, as I said before, I was an extraordinarily anxious person. It's something I, I imagine I'll just work with that for the rest of my life. I really have come a long way, more than anything, just by being aware when these thoughts, this way of being in me as a person just begins to rear up. I, I tend to carry a lot in my head. I mean, like, an, so much. Christy is more clear-minded. I mean, <laughs> another way that we're so opposite, uh, it, it can make me restless. It, it, can, it can make me now, from those thoughts, not to actually take actions. It, it can change my attitude, my posture. Uh, now, again, I've worked really hard, and, and really from the depth of my faith, it's helped me to capture these thoughts and to be aware of them and, and to acknowledge that they are, in fact, as Philippians says, not trustworthy, not pure, not loyal. I'm not going to trust these thoughts. And I've, I've learned to just consider and acknowledge the presence of God. Perhaps it's one of the best things I've done in my walk with God is to pause and to acknowledge God and compare these thoughts to, to God, to who he is. But it still comes on me. You know, I'm sitting there and, you know, kids and church and this person and, and life, it just, just flies in uh, this past week and... I'm sitting there, uh, Chris and I, we celebrated our 24th wedding an uh, our anniversary as a married couple. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, we, were, we were sitting there, 
uh, I think it was probably Monday, it's a Tuesday morning, we're sitting on a beach, and uh, it is a beautiful day. It's literally a replica of the, of the day we got married. It was just a gorgeous day, blue sky, maybe mid to high 70s, no wind, and, uh, and we're sitting on Good Harbor Beach, and it's, it's always a really nice looking beach, but today, the color of the water, the stillness, it, it's a, it's a, and it's not that crowded, it's a beautiful beach, and I'm sitting next to a beautiful person, inside and out. And in all that, man, my mind all of a sudden just gets hit, and I'm all over the place. I'm, it just, I'm getting daily, just much is coming in. And I don't know, maybe Christy looked at me because she can pick it up now. Uh, but at some point, I realized it. Again, I, 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 at God's mercy, I, I just, because I, I feel it, I sense it. I mean, it's on me. And, and, and w- what I do then is, I just pause and, and I literally call out to God. I'd be like, you know, and, and I talk to God and, and I do a certain thing to breathe, to gather myself, to bring myself together because I can get back. See, because right there in that moment, in the, in the, to get, the presence of God is all the beauty of God, all his creation, his blessings. I mean, my wife might not be here next year. And, and, and what about taking in the beauty of the moment? I mean, 24 years, my God, I couldn't do something for 24 stinking days. Now I'm married 24 years. It is amazing, I'm telling you, my mom, Dave, it's amazing still. <laughs> She's still telling me that, you know. My grandmother, she, before she passed away, up until, my God, what was I like? She, I mean, until she passed away, I was like going into my 40s, and she'd still write, make sure you're behaving yourself <laughs> in my cards. <laughs> and, and instead of taking all that wonder and awe in and beauty of what God had done in my life, I'm all over the place. And then I pause and I gather myself. And, and, I, and I say something, and it's kind of a, a saying. And, and you know what, actually, I did it this morning. Uh, this morning, because you know, I, I, I don't know if I already talked to you about it, and maybe I'm confusing something with the huddle. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got, up, uh, I got up late this morning. I was supposed to get up, like, my alarm was set for 3.45, which is a little later than usual. Christy gets up, she's like, wow, you know, you, you got to get going, you, you're not up. She gets up out of bed, she gets going, I'm still in bed. <laughs> Finally, I roll out of bed, and now I'm behind. And it just kind of sets off me. I go into my office, and I'm plugging away. Uh, and, you know, the kids, I think maybe one or two might come in and say goodbye, and, uh, but they all fly out, right? And, uh, and then I, here I am now, and, and I'm just it's building to me. I get here. And I'm thinking of some things on the way here, a couple of things relating to the sermon. And I hit here, and I'm kind of, you know, in the huddle, going from person to person. And then Ron walks up to me in the room, because Ron hangs around me, something he chose to do, and it's carried on for the years. And he says, Pastor. And he looks at me, he's like, you're not well. He goes, you're not well. He's like, you're, you're, you're really restless. Now, he knows that because I've talked to him about this. See, I, I, I love that about your city, and I hope we can keep doing this. See, if we're not vulnerable to each other, we'll never be accountable to each other. And we all need to be vulnerable to each other. Right? Huh? That's emotional health. You know, that Ron, you know, a guy who maybe several years ago was sleeping in the woods, living in a halfway house. (laughs) When we met him, he was in a room maybe the size of Dan's cage. (laughs) Can now, you know, sit there and look and speak at his pastor's life. Right? That's cool. And, um... And I paused and I said, you know, Ron, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm not well. I, I put my hand on my mic. I feel it. Yeah, you're right. I'm not well. I said, Ron, let's, let's, uh, just, let's do this together. 
And this is what I do. What I did on the beach and what I did in the room this morning. And I says, you know, just, dear God, um, help me. Uh, just thank you, God, for, for saving me. For Jesus' sake. Dear God, help me. Um, thank you for saving me. For Jesus' sake. Sometimes on the beach, I think I actually said, dear God, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me for Jesus' sake. But in different ways, this is what I'm saying. And in doing that, it just right away in all of my being is conditioned now to just pause and just acknowledge God. I mean, acknowledge who he is, acknowledge who I am, acknowledge that he's there. And now I'm just gathering myself because God is present, yes? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 26, it says, Therefore, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our heavenly Father, right, feeds them. Are you not much more valuable to God than them? God cares for you, and he is with you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Stop worrying. Stop thinking forward and picturing all these things about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition. Petition is continually going before God until you settle in and you realize I've acknowledged God, I've noticing God with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for what you've done here. Thank you for that, child. Thank you for that thought. Thank you for this hope, oh God. Present your request to God. Man, this is where I'm at, God. These are my needs. I'm just pouring it out. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Your heavenly Father is in the room. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be filled with worry and fear. Turn to him. Acknowledge his presence. It doesn't mean that things are going to change immediately. It means that you will change. From the inside out, you will change. It means your heart and mind will be filled with comfort and encouragement because you are covered with the presence of God. It's a great truth that when we lean into God's presence, we are taking in all his goodness. Now, if you know God is present and you acknowledge that, it's going to have a massive effect on your anxiety. But also, if you acknowledge God's presence, it's going to change your behavior. It's going to change how you act, huh? We live in a world that says there's no God. Some of you are going off to school and, and, and there's no God, huh? And this, I think this way of thinking truly lessens a person's self-worth. It's, it's my opinion. I do. I, I think intuitively, deep down, that, that no matter what, unless you come to acknowledge as a God, you'll never grasp the depth of all that you're worth. Now, certainly some people who say to believe in God haven't really come to a place of acknowledging him, then therefore they have not come to that place of really knowing God's love and their worth to him and their purpose in this world. Now, there's an Olympic swimmer named Michael Phelps and Hode David. Uh, 
he, if you don't know of him, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time, and he has more gold medals, I think just more medals, than any other Olympian of all time. Uh, his dad kind of left him and walked out of his life when he was nine years old. It, it just caused a great pain in him. It carried into his adulthood. These are his words. Uh, but yet he managed through all that to come to this incredible fame uh, and notoriety. And, you know, but then in 2012, the Olympics ended. I think it was his second, maybe even his third Olympics he had participated in. And now it was him and just him. And he suffered deeply. He, he, he began to have a massive internal turmoil emotionally with who he was. And he spiraled. He began to, you know, uh, just drink, perhaps drugs, trying to find who he was. He eventually got arrested once, maybe twice, for drunk driving. And with that, then they kind of barred him or put him outside of the Olympic swimming um, facility team, so on and so forth. And then, you know what, why don't you show the video, and then I'll jump back. Phelps also buried himself in a book Ray Lewis had given him, The Purpose Driven Life. It's turned me into believing that there is a power greater than myself, and there is a purpose for me on this planet. Second, third day he got in and he called me. He was like, I, man, this book is crazy. He was like, the things that's going on, oh my gosh, my brain is, bro, I'm, 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 I cannot thank you freaking enough, man. Like you saved my life. And so that was the moment when I started to hear he coming out of it. He, he, will, he will make it. And then he started calling me with things he was reading from the book. And I was like, it's sinking in. For a long time, I thought I was to bring the family back together, baby. My therapist said, well, you failed. How does that feel? And then I read this, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I think it helped me when I was in a place where I needed the most help. The lessons learned in those pages and in therapy convinced Phelps to try to rebuild his relationship with his father, Fred. They were going to have a family week, and I was invited to come spend the time with him, which I immediately jumped on. RSVP'd, I'll be there. Why? He's my son. I love him. I was shocked. I wasn't even going to invite him to family week if I just didn't think he would come. And I, I guess it was to the point where I was just like, why do I just want another no in my life? I was apprehensive, not the word. Maybe scared. Not at what I would find, but how I would be received, which actually, I, it was fear that was unfounded. Because we saw each other, we shook hands, threw our arms around each other, gave a big hug. Mm. It's powerful. Yeah. So Michael Phelps, the most decorated, Olympic swimmer of all time, walking through life with this massive hole in his heart, but who would know, right? He says, I, I came to a place when I'm at the end. He, I don't know, he, he actually talks about in the, in the whole interview and in, in the article about he wanted to kill himself, he wanted to end his life. 
It was like, what, what's the point of being here? What, what is the point? What's the purpose? Oh, this is just really nothing, but who am I? And he said, no, it goes, and after reading these words relating to the gospel and God, he says, I, I, I came to a place of realizing there's something greater than myself, that there is a God and, and there's a power that's greater than me, huh? And, and that I really do have a greater purpose on this planet, huh? You see? You do have a creator, and he is present. You're not an accident, and you have a purpose, yes? And, and you can see that once he acknowledged that there was a God, how it then began to change him, and then he went, and he took action, and he healed the relationship with his father. That's powerful, right? See, he was pretending that wasn't there. He was pretending there wasn't a God. Huh? He was. We all do. Many people do. You'd never notice that when he's standing there with these medals draped around him that this guy is pretending there isn't a God and there's a hole the size of that metal in his heart. You'd never think that. But then he acknowledged there was a God. He noticed God. He realized God created him. There's something greater and he was able to then begin to bring restoration and also, as his father said, redemption. Huh? Listen, knowing God's presence will change you. We're just going to just, all right, let's just move towards the end here, huh? As you, I want you to bring this into your life. Students, you know, I, I mean, like King Asa, he had this moment where he realized God's present, and it changed him. And you see that, because once Isaiah talked to him, he went out and he started making changes. I mean, he was, he was, worshiping false idols, images, rocks, stones. He had this massive God who showed himself supernaturally, who, who, who changed him, who did an incredible thing in his life, and here he is now. He's drifted to a place of, of really literally leading people to worship rocks and stones and images of metal. Like, how did this happen? But now he has this moment where he acknowledges God and begins to go out and it take, he begins to dismantle these things that are distracting him, that are deterring him from, from just knowing all that God has for him, huh? Listen. You have a heavenly father and he is present. He's in you. He's in your home. He's around you. Acknowledge that. Last week I told you that it's school time. Your kids are going off to school. Right? Put your hands on them and pray for them, meaning give them a gentle affection. Approach them gently and say, hey, I'd like to pray for you. Talk to them, how are you doing this morning? Look, and maybe you'll know before you ask them. And just say, you know what, I, I'm going to pray. It's simple, just God, I thank, I thank you for this child. I thank you for Jason, God, and, and um, I'm so glad you're with him today and you're with us. And God, I pray that Jason just notices you throughout the day and, and that you'll give him comfort and strength, oh God, and, and thank you for the gift of life you've given him and that you brought him into my life. Amen. Right? And, and, and that, that, God, that God would be with that child during the day. Now, we talked about it last week. I'll tell you this week, in case you didn't do it this week, you get a chance to do it this week, right? Notice. Now you are noticing your child. You're acknowledging the child. You're noticing, you're acknowledging the presence of God. This is so important to cultivate, huh? It gives you a sense of God's presence. It, it just kind of... It's important to acknowledge God, acknowledge one another, and let this be a huge part of the culture in your homes. It's, it's in my home. Let me see, who could I do this with? Here, I'll give you a good example of it. Chris, come here for a second, please. Sorry to take you away from your wife. 
Okay, give me a second while I find something here. I know this is unusual, but hang in there. So, this is a text I got. And who's it from? Christy. It's from Christy. And when did she send it to me? This morning at 7.43. And what does it say? I'm sorry, I forgot to stop in and say goodbye. I love you. That's it. Okay. My wife ran out, and she didn't come in and acknowledge me. She just said, hey, I love you. Right? Now, I was, I was really going crazy in that office, but when I got that text, it's like, oh, wow. Just thank you, God. This helped me bring acknowledging God, right? My wife just tenderly, lovely, carefully just acknowledges me. I know that's happening because we've acknowledged God. I acknowledge God. You see, and it's really, you don't give the devil a lot of room. You hear what I'm saying? We have an enemy and an adversary, huh? And it's huge. It's just so huge to live out in a funk, bring this culture into your home, huh? So, and it's going to give you courage. It's going to uplift you. And that, that's what it does when you acknowledge the presence of God. It gives you courage in your life. It gives you courage to step out, to, to, to take things on, huh? To have a breakthrough. So, don't go at life all alone. Don't do it. I don't want you to. Don't, don't take on this world by yourself. You've got a God, a heavenly Father who's present. If you're in here today, I just want to encourage you to, uh, to pause and take in this moment that God is present with you, that God truly loves you, that he gave his son Jesus so that you could have this moment who died on a cross, shed his blood, that your sins would be forgiven, that you would be made right before God, and that you could truly take in and know his presence that you can turn to God and gladly and freely ask forgiveness and say, here I am now. I, I want to live to know you more. I notice you, I acknowledge you, and I realize my need for you. And I am just filled right now with a calmness and a comfort and, a, and, a, and an increasing peace. This is, this is good. This is what I was meant to be, huh? And anything this world has taken away from me is nothing compared to what I sense you're doing and can do in me. I want a relationship with Jesus. You take that connection card. There's a box that says on the back, my next step. You want to check off that box that says, I'm starting a relationship with Jesus. Bring that card to the guest services table. And for those of you who've been around Christian for a long time, and you say, you know what, man, I, I've been, I don't know, I've been living out my faith in God or my walk with God where I think I'm not acknowledging God as much as I could be or should be. I'm not noticing God enough. Maybe a lot on Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday, it just seemingly isn't carrying the day, but it needs to, huh? You need to bring that culture into your life and into your home. I'm acknowledging God. So it's 12.07. Um, so, okay. So on the way here when I was driving... You still with me? Do I still have you? Yeah. I know we're going a little long. You know, we went, went crazy long last week. Uh, so on the way here, I was driving, and this came to me. I was thinking, I think it's okay. And uh, I've talked to you about how me and my family acknowledge each other. And, and it's cool, isn't it? It just sounds so wonderful, and it is so wonderful, by the way. Uh, and that this goes on day to day in our home. And even in the midst of crazy stuff, how it's there so much, that boom. I mean, you know, she's got kids, she's driving, she's got to come, she's got to worship, this going on, 
hey, boom. Can you just sense the power of it? How it infuses, what it infuses into our home? Now you might be thinking, okay, well, that's Dave and Christy and, and they got it all together. You know, as I say, they. <laughs> and their experience. And, 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 but I want to share something with you and I referred to it earlier before when I said, hey, this way of living our life came from something. And, and on the way here, I, I kicked it around and I didn't share it with my family, but you know, <laughs> here we go. And you see, there was a season in my life where um, I was fairly overwhelmed, and it was when we were living here, and I was, I was working many hours a day for a, a large, a large, a good-sized construction company. I was their administrator. We had accounts throughout New England, Lowe's, and Home Depots, and Holiday Inns, and, and, uh, and so uh, one day I come home, and I walk through the door, and I'm tired, and I'm really looking forward to seeing my family, because I did love them, and I did care for them. I cherished them. I'd grown a little bit kind of disconnected. I didn't realize it then. And I walk through the door, and I walk into the to kitchen, and like nobody pays attention to me. And then I walk into the living room, and they're watching TV, and nobody even notices me. And finally, I'm like, what the hell? What am I, nothing? What am I, like garbage? And I get so angry. I'm so upset. And then one of my kids, my my boys, and again, this is, wow, this is maybe, I don't know, nine years ago, ten years ago. They come running up to me to hug me, and I'm like, just, just stop it. It's, just, it's not the same, okay? Just go back to doing what you were doing. And I could just see the hurt pour of, of, on this kid. The tears immediately just poured down his face. And I turned, and I ran out of the house. Myself, just so undone. And I'd come to the end. And uh, I drove around, and I wound up finding a, a little place, like kind of a, a pub, and went in just to have a beer, you know, just to clear my head. I mean, where am I going? You know, just to, to get myself together, just to try and figure something out. And uh, I had a beer. It was a pint. And I'm just thinking and thinking, then another pint, and then another pint. <laughs> and then I get up, you know, and I didn't hear the thing is I hadn't drank in a long time. So this was a lot of beer I was putting in me. And I go to walk out, and boom, you know, the air hits me. I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, oh, I felt this way. <laughs> I know what this is, man. I'm smashed. I'm drunk. And uh, I reach down into my pocket. And I, these were the Blackberry days. Remember the Blackberries? And I look, and there's all my, my black, all messages from Christy. Her mom, are you okay? Where are you? We love you. Are you okay? What's wrong? Don't worry. It's okay. We love you. Please come back. Where are you? One after the other after the other. I call a house and I, I, I get Lloyd on the phone. I'm like, hey, uh, you need to come and get me. This is where I am. He's like, okay. And this is Lloyd's awesome, you know, because he's kind of <laughs> lived this out before. So he comes and, uh, and he pulls up with the car and he just gets out. And, and, and I'm just blessed. I just, he says, hey, listen, you know, I, I love you. And, and, and we love you. And just, you know, it's, just come on in the car. It's going to be okay. And I said, Lord, if I get in your car and I, right now, you won't love me. And I turn around and I throw up. <laughs> I crawl till I get snow bank and I throw up some more. So I said, okay, get in your car now, okay? So we get in the car. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't, want, my, I don't want my family to see me like this. I don't want my kids to see me like this. Please just, we got to go and find a place for me to get a, a tea or coffee or something, but I don't want to go home like this. So he's driving. 
the rest of it is a little blurry before we get to the place, but I know at one point, because it's a low point in my life, I remember being on, being on one of the rotaries here in Gardner, pulled over. I remember Lloyd and a cop standing over me, and Lloyd saying, yep, that's my son-in-law, <laughs> you know, as I'm throwing up <laughs> on the bank. Um, then we get to the place where I can have my coffee, and, but before we get there, my heart's coming out of my chest. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm losing breath. I'm like, Lloyd, I, I, I can't breathe. Something's wrong. I'm, I can't breathe. I'm, something, something's wrong. He's like, oh, and so we get there. I run into the bathroom. I close the door, and I just drop down to the floor, and I start to grab my chest, and, and I can't breathe, and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to die. And, and then I'm like, oh, my God. This, my father died on a bathroom floor. He overdosed from heroin. I'm like, I'm going to die intoxicated. I'm like, this is crazy. And then I just, I just paused, and for the first time in a while, I just acknowledged God. I said, God, um, help me. I said, I'm so sorry. What did I do here? I said, please, um, just forgive me. Help me. I, I need you. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, and then I realized, okay, and then I just sensed he was with me. And then I, I still thought I was going to die. And I, and I, I was almost suffocating. And, uh, but I thought, it's going to be okay. I mean, God is with me. I know he's there. And this is too crazy of a story that he's not in control. So he's going to take care of Chris. He's going to take care of the kids. And something good will come of this. And thank you, God, for giving me the years you've given me. It's been, for not, really, just, I didn't deserve it, man. You're so good. And, you know, forgive me and I love you. I thought I was going to die. And then I, I started to calm down. I started to settle in. My breath came back to me, and uh, I got up, got some tea, and I went home. And I, and I went to sleep to my dear, loving, precious family. Huh? Um, and then the next day, I asked everybody for forgiveness, one by one, in front of everybody. I told them I loved them. And I said, okay, we don't waste our pain in our family. And here's, and here's what I'm going to be committed to. I'm going to notice you. I'm going to acknowledge you, and I'm going to acknowledge God. I'll never, we'll never stop doing this, and you're going to see me doing that. And, and I started to do it day in and day. And so that's where, why we acknowledge each other so much and why we do this in our home is from that terrible, terrible night of pain. So I just want to encourage you here. Acknowledge God's presence, right? Bring that into your home. Acknowledge one another from acknowledging God's presence because the truth is it's going to change your life. To God be the glory.